0: or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening, enjoy this message. Hey, good morning everybody, how are you? It's great to see all of you, you look good. If you love Jesus, say, I do. Hey, let's give it up for Katie and the team, they did a great job, yeah. Hey, uh, so this is a fun month. I know we're all in the season where we're praying about our permanent space, which is coming in faith. And uh, come on. Yeah, baby. And so um, uh, I love it. I've been getting some texts from you as you've uh, gone into the parking lot and spent a little time praying in the parking lot, that drive through prayer. And so thank you for those texts. Um, yes, uh, I am wearing all black as I preach on morning today. And it is... Uh, <laughs> For Matthew 5:4 to get in your head, it's also all the jokes about the Sooners losing 49 to zero, uh, all the jokes about how God is uh, making me practice what I preach by morning on Saturday, uh, just before we preached on Sunday. Thank you for those. Um, Katie, we're all black. Anybody else wearing all black? Um, All right. So anyway, uh, but we had some youth pastors here uh, this week and we took them over to the parking lot and they just prayed with us and it's just been so fun. And so anyway, I know um, I've had some of you think that it's the coolest thing ever and some of you told me you think it's the weirdest thing ever and uh, that's great. Uh, I just think it's so fun uh, just to kind of take a step of faith and keep believing God for this space. So anyway, thank you for all of you that are doing that. Uh, It's a fun month. We got more to come and uh, I'm so excited that I can hardly stand it. We've been believing God for this Uh, for many years now. So, hey, I want to also make you aware that on Saturday we have our Dream Team fall party. It's going to be a good time. And 208 of you are registered. And so uh, let's give it a hand for everybody that serves on the Dream Team. Thank you. Um, Come on, you can do better than that. Let's go. All right. It's just so fun. People get here early in the morning and set up and tear down and uh, make coffee and help with kids. It's just awesome. So anyway, thank you, everybody that does all those things. Hey, if you have your Bibles, let's go Matthew chapter five today. We are in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're specifically leaning into the Beatitudes. And so uh, if you are uh, unable to pick up one of these notebooks, you can pick one of these up. We'll have them every single week. And in it, it just breaks down. Um, We're spending nine weeks in the eight Beatitudes And so, uh, this is available for you to not only take notes, but it's also, uh, for you to be able to pray, uh, and take, and we, it's kind of the soap method. So, uh, it's for you to to take the scripture, make an observation and then an application and a prayer. And we're just trying to help you learn, uh, how to pray, read the scripture and get it into your heart and your head. And so those are available and free. Make sure and pick them up if you would like to Matthew chapter five, verse four. Last week we did blessed are the poor in spirit for there's the kingdom of heaven so we talked about humility and we, uh, we dove in on that first one. Today we're going after this second one. Um, and there's a reason why we sang some really happy dance songs uh, in the service because this is all about mourning. All right, so um, here we go. It says this, I'm going to read it and then we'll pray. It says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Father, we love you today. Father, we ask Lord Jesus that you would help us to truly know and follow Jesus in our generation in Kansas City. Lord, we thank you for the privilege, the honor, the joy of being disciples. And we just come before you today, we ask that you would give us supernatural strength and comfort. We pray, Lord God, for wisdom and revelation. God, in our own strength, we fall so short, but God's supernatural strength enables us to be what you've called us to be. So I pray for every man and every woman. I pray for every child. I pray that you would help us to follow you and form us into the image of Jesus. We love you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I want to kind of just give you three portraits of uh, friends or family of mine that embodied for me what I would call spiritual mourning or tears. And I'm not trying to uh, make tears the point. It's just that it's so visible. I don't think that this morning has to be tears as Jesus speaks here. But I think that the tears help us just see a window into the level of mourning. Um, in 2008, one of my dearest friends—we've been friends for 22 years—he's one of our overseers, and uh, Aaron Stern. And he had three boys, and he and his wife Josie were about to have their fourth child, a little girl named Bergen. And uh, Renata and I were celebrating with them as uh, we were looking forward to uh, meeting little Bergen. And then uh, in the very month that uh, Josie was supposed to uh, have a brand new, uh, healthy baby girl, um, she didn't live. Uh, and, and we found ourselves um, at the funeral with the smallest casket that we'd ever seen outside uh, on a mountainside. And I'll just never forget the moment of being with some of my dear brothers as we prayed with Aaron. And as uh, we all had tears and we all mourned and his tears were uncontrollable. And, you know, it's like um, it's like a picture in your head, you know, like you'll never forget it. Like, just like, wow, you know, like a father that just weeps and mourns and kind of goes from being kind of like a, a just a verse in your quiet time. to when you start to think about the real pain and tragedy that people experience, the real loss and the real mourning and uh, just the, the loss for Aaron was and Jossie and their family was so significant. And and I want to talk about that in just a moment. I want to talk a little bit about what I would call spiritual mourning um, over loss, real loss in our lives. And then there's this, uh, another picture in my head as I think about, there's so many components to Jesus talking about mourning. Um, It's kind of like, it's kind of like we can only enter into the shallow end of the pool. And at first you just kind of stay on the steps, but then the more you study it, it just opens up new things and you just start to see the level of the depths and you wanna keep going deeper and deeper. But in my short time that I have this morning, another one that I wanna talk about is morning of repentance. Uh, I have such vivid memories of um, my dad growing up uh, uh, where his, his favorite thing uh, was to be alone with Jesus. And so he would spend time with Jesus and, and kind of like the way that that song that we just sang, where we sang, you pick me up, you turn me around, you placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank God. That gratitude in his heart for salvation, for what Jesus had done for him was significant. So much so that he would sit with Jesus. He would sit in his time alone with God and he would say, one of the verses he often quoted was First John 2.6. Anyone who claims to be in Christ must walk as Jesus did. And he would look at how much he loved Jesus. He said, I don't want anything in my life pride, greed, lust, hate, bitterness to, 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 to control me. I want as much as possible to be transformed into the image of Christ, to look like Jesus, to walk like Jesus. And so that gap, he would actually mourn that gap. And I have memory, not only of seeing his tears in his time with God, but I have memories of him coming to me and saying, hey, David, when I talked to you in such a way and I spanked you for what Deborah did, um, just kidding. I just saw you right there. Good to see you. Um <laughs> When you're preaching on morning, you're desperate for a laugh. How you doing, D? All right, so, um, but, I, but, 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 but then he would weep because there would be this, this moment of, of real sincerity, real sincerity of there's that, that desire to be Christ-like. There's that desire, that it's, it's repentance. It's no, it's an ache. And so I have this memory of those tears. Last week, Um, I'm sitting with Renata, we're in, um, just our our living room at our house. Renata, uh, gets a text as we're sitting there. She pulls out her phone and she just begins to weep. And then she just says, just, let's just give this a few minutes, David. And, and, um, she actually just left the room and just went, um, to another chair and she just sat there and she just wept because she received a text from a friend who had asked Renata to pray. For their friend, Renata didn't know the family, but as another family in another state, we don't know them, we've never met them. But Renata engaged in praying for a teenage boy who had cancer, and Renata received the text that he had died. And so she, she really is, is mourning this, this, this looking at the way that the world is and the way that the world should be. And it's a mourning right there of hope. Like looking forward to the day where there will be no more tears. Looking forward to the day where there will not be death and disease and greed and violence and lust and hate. Looking forward to the day where we will be with Jesus and those things will be no more. And I think all three of these are a form of spiritual mourning, a form of mourning that have this beauty. I think that it's difficult for us to think of mourning because it's, it's so uncommon in our culture that it's often even mocked because we so want to look at ourselves with strength and pull all the strength from within. I'm a child of the 90s, and virtually every song was about the power within me, the power within you. And honestly, humanism lives so vibrant in our culture that to engage in theism, to engage in that God is there and God is perfect and God is big, is so different than the humanistic tendencies that always look to self. And at its core, mourning is coming before God. And it's got this weeping, this element of recognition of who God is. And there's this command that's this strength of something that we do as disciples blessed, or happy, or fortunate, or even lucky, that Greek word makarios, all those things could fit, are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And really the big win is to recognize that it is supernatural comfort is available to present tense disciples of Jesus. All people are looking for comfort. The question is, how will they find it? So, pump, some people find comfort in a hobby. Some people in wealth. Some people in their politics. Some people in their food. Some pe- there's a whole lot of ways to try to find comfort for the disciple of Jesus. A part of what we do is that we come before God and we look at this list. And last week I said, when you look at this list, remember this is eight attributes of a disciple. This is not, oh. Like we think of the Enneagram, you're that one, you're that one, you're that one, you're that one. No, this is in the same way that you would look at the health app on your phone and find out how many steps you took today. You can read some of these and say, how am I doing at being poor in spirit? How am I doing at mourning? Challenging to mourn. It's not applauded in our culture. You will be perceived as a 1 Peter 2, a resident alien, a stranger in this world, when we voluntarily, knowingly choose to mourn. I think most of us, if you're like me, we tend to bottle up our pain. We don't want to actually come before God and and mourn and weep. And if we don't bottle it up, then I think oftentimes we'll run from it. We'll retreat from it. Maybe even pretend like it doesn't exist. I think one of the most significant things for you and me is to take Jesus at his word and actually begin to look at what's available to those that obey. So it, you could say, these are eight ways to be happy. And the first one that we talked about last week and, it, and it's essence important spirit, humility. And the second one we wanna take a look at and mourn and start to practice it, start to jump into it because you read it in Jesus. Let's talk about mourning and loss for just a moment. I think this is the one that most of us think about first. And when you think about the original moment where Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, he's looking at people that are probably going through very challenging circumstances. Back in that time, approximately 33% of babies wouldn't survive. So the infant mortality rate was so high. And according to some historians, you kind of got to guess the numbers, but about 50% didn't make it to adulthood. So most families, kind of like the story I told about Aaron, would have some form of mourning or grief or sadness or disappointment in real loss, potentially in death. Not only that, but financially, um, it was a level of poverty that we could hardly even imagine. Not only that, but they didn't have freedom. There was Roman occupation, and so they didn't have their freedom. So they're taxed. They're probably very familiar with death. They're enslaved. I mean, the they're, 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 they're Romans are, have, have taken over. And so there's difficult circumstance for them. And yet, here's Jesus. And as he preaches, he looks at them in the middle of their circumstance, just like he looks at you in the middle of yours. And he says, happy or lucky or fortunate are those who mourn for they will be comforted. There is a God comfort. There is a strength that comes from God in the middle of your difficult circumstance. So that difficult difficult circumstance can be a place of happiness, a place of fortunate. Hard for us to imagine, because if we're thinking about that the only place that ultimately exists is the here and now, then that's impossible to believe. And everything's about us and right now. But when we believe, as Jesus often talked about eternity and about relationship with him forever and that this is not the end, then there is a category. There's a way of thinking about the world that is far beyond just here and right now. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. There's a comfort that comes from God in the middle of your difficult circumstance. Not only in the middle of your difficult circumstance, but, but, but another angle of this, and I want to talk about these three angles. And I think all three angles can be true and beautiful at the same time. When I lived in Colorado Springs, there was, uh, I, I had a great view of Pikes Peak up in my office. I had a great view of Pikes Peak. When I, at my house it was clear on the east side, my office up on the north side. And way down south, you could go downtown, go out to eat. And you're, all, you're always looking at the mountains, three very different angles, always beautiful. I think that the more that I studied this beatitude, they're all beautiful, a little bit different. And, and, and this one about repentance. This is, this is the one that they say, okay, here's Jesus. And Jesus is actually building. The Beatitudes build on top of each other. So, so blessed are the poor in spirit is about that humility. That recognition of, wow, I am low. You, Jesus is high. Jesus is big. Jesus is glorious. Jesus is amazing. And I see that gap. So when I see that gap, I recognize like Isaiah who saw Jesus and woe is me Isaiah 6 I'm a man of unclean lips we have that recognition of I, man I I I desire to be like him I desire to be close to him and so the things in our lives that don't look like Christ begin to grieve us and there's actually the morning of repentance there's that morning that godly sorrow. Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians 7, 9. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to re- repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So it's that coming before God with The mourning that says, oh, it's that godly sorrow. And we we keep a vision of what it looks like to want him, to love him, to be like him, to want what he wants in my life and on the planet. And I think the tendency is to look at that and go, "That's that's kind of severe. That's kind of strong. That's a little too much. And it's pretty easy when we live in a culture that's so foreign to that, where you're actually Have a soft heart to even the level of mourning, and I'm not necessarily saying that it's actual like tears. I have no idea the spectrum of that, but it's where there is that deep ache, where it is that deep longing. Um, I remember years ago um, we had uh, a whole lot of interns, and um, I was I had to keep a lot of rules when you have a lot of 18 to 25 year olds um, in the intern program, and we had a group of guys that made some very, really dumb decisions. And um, I brought them into my office and I said to three young men, "Um, I'm so sorry that you chose to make these decisions and uh, your internship at this church can no longer exist. And so, bye bye Go back to where you came from. Two of them accepted it and one of them broke into tears um, and just began to plead and just, I'm so sorry. And David, is there any way? And I held my ground. No, I'm sorry. We just can't have behavior like that. That's not, that's not okay. And, and I mean, I was just strong. And, and this, I mean, this dude, this, I mean, masculine, tough guy from Texas, big old, big old Texas boy, 5'10", 5'11". And he, <laughs> he, he just, I mean, he just... Be, he just, I'm so sorry. And he began to just weep and say what he did wrong, never do it again. And I held my ground, finished that day, I'm so sorry. The next day, his dad showed up at the church. His dad had flown up from Texas and his dad took me to coffee and said, can we just talk? And we talked about his son's future and he just, his dad, I mean, just, it will never happen again and we're so sorry. And and I, I said, well, give me a couple days. And next day that kid showed up again, written out a letter, cried some more, repented some more. And it, I turned and I said, all right. And, uh, actually I got a, uh, little comment from, uh, he buried one of the, one of the superstar girls in the internship. They became dear friends and they were commenting on my social media this week, which means we're still friends. That's how, you know, friendships, you know, commenting on social media, um, but it, 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 it turned my heart. It was the level of anguish. And I think when we, when we come before God and it's really real, uh, we want to be disciples in an era filled with darkness. We want to walk with Jesus and know him and be like him. And so that when you're alone with him, there's that real anguish. And I think that we'd love to find verses, people that will tell us it's okay, you're fine. Yet all of us know when we're with Him, and when we think about the magnitude of the Creator, we think about the, the, who Jesus is. Eventually, our heart starts to go. No, I, I don't want to tolerate immorality. I don't want to tolerate lies. I don't want to tolerate greed. I don't want to tolerate gossip. Well, I, I too want to thank Jesus with my life, not just my words. I too want to be transformed into his image so that I become a radiant light, what he wants me to be. And sometimes when you live in a culture that's so dark, it's easy just to pretend and tolerate it and let your heart grow callous and get really a heart of stone instead of a heart of flesh. That's the way Job says it. I love this Shields right out here, 135th and Metcalf. Uh, there's a coffee shop in there where I like to take my kids because I can have coffee with one of them and let the other ones go play. There's a rule, we never buy anything, but you can go play and we'll sit here and have coffee so that I can have a conversation. And so Shields is a great spot to be in. Uh, but there's these these like statues of presidents out front, right? And so I've, we've had many a jokes and times where you talk to or you, or you sit by or, you, you know, whatever. But for me, if I were to... Uh, If I were to have my 12 year old go and and literally kick the shin of one of the statues, it would mean nothing. But if he were to kick my shin, it would be deep pain, right? Because I'm alive, right? I'm not a statue. And many of us over time, we've so gotten used to so many things that are inconsistent with the word of God and inconsistent with who Jesus is that we've just we become like a statue and it doesn't even cause pain anymore. Yet, when you come before him and you just enter into this beatitude, second one, blessed are the poor in spirit. For present tense, there's the kingdom. Next one, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You'll notice a heart that slowly starts to soften, maybe quickly. And that repentance, soften the human heart. Tears flow a little bit easier. It's, it's, it, you know, as it, it, it's interesting um, because I, I feel like I often see cynicism in American culture, and I don't know why cynicism uh, is so cool in our culture. You know, I, but, but, but cynicism, at its core, that cynical kind of know-it-all, is so counter to become like a child. It's so counter to the soft heart that longs to be close to Jesus and be transformed. And so don't let cynicism become your personality trait. Be the person that humbly comes before God and says, okay, God, in the middle of my circumstance that's, that's challenging, and, and you will go through challenging circumstance, I'm going to mourn and I'm going to find comfort, not in all the other things. I'm grateful for all the other things. But there's one thing that will really bring comfort. It's God. I want your comfort. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. And then I come before God and there's an authentic repentance. And I think when it comes to this with this repentance thing, um, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes it's like I'll go so far. And then you'll get so tired, you'll think I'm just gonna stop. I'm just tired of, I'll, I'll, I'll live with that systemic in my life i'm done repenting just punt give up on transformation and i want to invite you to a way of coming before the lord and just not giving up so that over time you 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 see god transforming you and stick with the morning even though it's challenging i think oftentimes we just we just stop we just and it is a long journey. And I just think that we all got to know that. Like the journey of following Jesus, like decade after decade. Yeah. When you hike Pikes Peak, sorry, all these Colorado things today. It's just, I don't know. But when, when you hike up Pikes Peak, I used to take interns up all the time and you get about halfway on Bar Trail and there's a, there's a stopping point. And that was the place where so many wanted to just stop and celebrate that they'd gotten halfway we'd already hiked for a few hours, and now it's like, ooh, we could turn around, we could be eating lunch. (laughs) We could be eating at that burger joint in two hours, let's go. And it takes a decision that says, now baby, we're going a couple more hours up. We're not stopping at bar trail. Many of us, we just think, I'm just going to, I'll go so far, and yet the beauty, the view, the joy, the delight, is in the, the intimacy of that relationship, that being transformed into the image of Christ, where you just say, I'm gonna keep coming. I'm gonna keep being transformed. So I wanna invite you to think through what would it look like for me to come before Jesus and just, and just come before him and mourn the gap. <laughs> like, you're, you're faithful. I've been unfaithful. You're good. You, you are humility. and I've got all this pride. I don't want, and that that ache, actually exists inside of us. I think if you'll get, one of the things I experienced with my, my dad as a kid would be that there'd be moments where he'd come and he would repent to me. And so he had been with Jesus and, and those little heart attitudes would, there'd be the, the tenderness towards the, the mourning with the Lord, which caused then the action with others. One of my biggest sadnesses in the last couple of years um, has been... Some of the things that I've seen with just disastrous stories of immorality and people that have just just made terrible decisions. And and oftentimes we think, oh, the problem is when they finally jump off the cliff and they they commit adultery, when they do this terrible thing. But if you wanna go all the way to where it starts, it's work on these heart attitudes. And these little tiny ones where you just look at your spouse and you just say, you've been with Jesus and he, and, and Jesus will be faithful to help you see, oh, you are kind. I was not kind. Oh, you're gracious. Oh, you're loving. So then Jesus, and you repent there. And then you come and you look at your spouse and you go, Renata, I was, I was, my tone right there was not filled with love. I did not, yesterday, I did not have peace. I was filled with anxiety about the sermon on Sunday, on Saturday, please forgive me. Not that that happened. Just kidding. <laughs> it did, and getting down at the heart level, so that and you'll be surprised how that'll help you if you'll just if you'll just spend that time with Jesus. Third one is this. It's this. It's this. What I talked about with Renata this, this morning that is so connected that you long for the day where Revelation 21 says, where there will be no more tears. Like you long for that day and you see it. And, and, and so heaven is a part of what you look forward to. You, 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 it, 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 there's this discontentment with how things are. Revelation 21, 4 says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. I just love this phrase, for the old order of things has passed away. The days where there was pain, that's gone. So you you look forward to that day. So the present way that the world is, it's like you're joining with Jesus in caring about what he cares about. And even, and many of you will jump into relationships or causes, and it's that, oh, I ache, that deep ache, for the day where there are no more tears. And I look forward to that. And that's a morning with him. I was thinking about the, in the middle of the pandemic, there were so many moments where I thought, this just isn't how it should be. Like on Easter Sunday morning in 2020, when everybody was in the stay-at-home order and where we should be is the people of God celebrating the resurrected Savior, doing Easter egg hunts and dancing and what's up? And you know, like, that's where we should be. Or, or my son, his 10th birthday was April of 2020. And then I just thought, no, we should be at a we should be at a, at, a, at, a, at a football game, basketball game, baseball game. We should be at a park. We should, we should have his friends over with cake. We should be, at, 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 I mean, at worst, Chuck E. Cheese's. Huh? I'm not sure, but you know, like something, not, not here, stuck in the house, that ache, that how oh, I long for this to be over and that ache inside of you where you go, Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord and Jesus is good and I long for the day we Revelation 7. We're actually united. Every tongue, tribe, and nation in worship and unity. And race is part of what's beautiful together rather than what divides. Or, where I, look for, or, or, or I look forward to the day where, where there isn't murder or hate. And, that, and here's, our toler- here's what we do. We tend to just tolerate. It's just the way the world is. But get that little morning piece inside of you. Get that faithfulness. Jesus says this is, this is what it looks like to be a disciple. And this is disruptive in current culture. But, but then there's that comfort. In fact, every time that you come to the prayer meeting, it's kind of what you're doing. You're kind of saying... I'm praying that Kansas City would know Jesus. I'm praying that families would come to know Jesus. I'm praying that the sick would be healed. You're you're taking a moment saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's that deep ache. It's that mourning. It's that longing. And it's a form of mourning where you're partnering. You're saying, Jesus, have your way. I think every time that you're able to gather up here at the front, pray for somebody. In essence, these are people that have been comforted by God, and they're willing to enter into people's pain. and They have much to give because they've been much with him. Listen to the way it says this in um, 1 Corinthians 1, three. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So I've been with them and I've mourned, I've been with them, and now he comforts me. So I wanna encourage you to three things. When you're with God, there's a way to be comforted by him in his presence. Psalm 34:18 says that he is close to the brokenhearted. So if you're in the middle of difficult circumstance, go to God. Lucky, fortunate, happy are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Temptation, Google, solve my problems. Temptation, another habit, solve my problems. Uh, temptation, somebody out there, solve my problem. Try God. God, I come before you. And I just, to the degree that you're able, I'm to enter into a form of just mourning. And I'm not necessarily, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, be real with God and, Enter in, and I'm not talking about anything fake. don't like fake cry. Just just come before God and just be like honest and real and blunt and just pour out your soul to God and watch Him then, His presence comfort you. It's interesting, so many people will talk about that moment and difficult circumstance being the moment where they were the closest to God. They'll talk about the moment. I could say it in my life. Like if I were to tell you the moments in my life where I felt close to God, all of them turned out to be the moments where I finally was just dependent and broken and ended up saying, I need you. And a form of lament, a form of mourning, a form of God, and go through different decades of my journey. And those broken moments, Jesus looks at broken people Just like he did then in the first century Palestine, he could look at us and say, it could be that in the middle of this difficult circumstance, it could be that you're lucky. You say, no chance that I'm lucky. No chance that I'm happy. No chance that I'm fortunate. Unless you would believe that this thing lasts for a million years instead of a hundred. And that we live in eternity with Christ. Then these moments where we leaned in him, they're so short compared to what lasts forever. So you lean in and you say, oh, it was those moments that were so broken where he was with me. Hebrews 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. Let this pain, let the painful moments be the moments that you run to God, not from him. Second is this promise. I think this, this future hope of eternity this promise. Jesus was always talking about the future. Like we never see Jesus trying to take his 33 years on planet earth and be like, come on, let's make life good here in Nazareth or Galilee or Jerusalem. Jesus is always looking future. John 14, he says, and if I go and prepare, prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you with me that you might be where I am. Hey, I'm, I'm looking to a future day. If you get that in your heart. So one, I love his presence. Two, I love his promise. And I actually believe in eternity, heaven, being with God, that there will be a day where every tear will be wiped away. There will be a day where every, there will be a great multitude that no one can count out from every tongue, tribe, and nation worshiping around the throne. When those things get in you so that it, it's, I, 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 I develop that mindset. Then you'll start to experience, wow, okay, I'm comforted in difficult circumstance. I'm comforted by God as I walk through life, looking forward to a future day. And a third one is this. It is actually the people of God. I was talking to a, um, you will find comfort through the people of God. God will use his people to comfort you. God will use you to comfort other people so that you are his hands and his feet. So that the comforted starts to comfort others. I was talking to a, a, a lady recently who She lost her husband on a Saturday and she was at church on a Sunday morning. So he died tragically on a Saturday. She was at church on a Sunday. And I said, why? And she said, where else could I be than with the people of God in my darkest moment? When the people of God are really a part of your spiritual journey, rather than a religious box that you check to prove to God you're a religious person, you'll start to enjoy it a whole lot more. You'll start to come and say, where else would I be? But I told you last week about people that, that meeting that I was at, they would just give just phrases that brought strength and comfort. Interestingly enough, they were intercessors that had just been with God. The people that are much with him and come before him and say, oh, I give you my circumstance. Oh God, I give you my life. I, I, I wanna be set apart whole. I wanna look like you. Oh God, I look forward to what you look forward to. I, the, the, <laughs> all the wealth that I can build up now and all the fame that I can build up now and all the good times I can build. It's just ashes compared to eternity with you. And I, I actually care about what you care about. So I, I'm, I actually care about the way that the world is. I don't want there to be hate and divorce and division and murder and disease. Oh, I long. Even that intercession, even that ache, that mourning, it's this form of partnering with God, and he will give you comfort. And it's this transformation on the inside. So it's a different way of living. It's always the Jesus dream, not the American dream. Those two are often in conflict because Paul talks about spirit, flesh. You're always in that wrestling. But as as you start to experience Looking forward to that promise, he's coming. I'm with his people. You'll actually transition to um, where you will delight to comfort others. So, so like Paul said there, you're, God has comforted you, so you've mourned, you've been with him. And then you have the capacity, that's a word we would use, the capacity to care for others. Most of us just say, uh, if you knew my family and my payments and my um, all my, I have no capacity for more, especially for that person's problem. Yet, it's actually the Beatitudes Jesus when we come before him and we are, in a sense, mourners. I I was saying earlier, I think of this whole prayer team. They're essentially mourners. They're people who've been so much with God that they're saying, I will voluntarily enter into your pain and be with you. We'll go to God together. So it could be your dream to try to keep taking spiritual steps so that one day, in addition to all that you got going on, you care more about, maybe I could enter into a small group or maybe my children or but just, not just what I got going, but man, I wanna, I wanna bring the comfort of God. God, I wanna be a comforter to others. God using you to be his hands, his radiant light to help you comfort even other people. And let me tell you this. So it's often in your deepest point of pain that God will use you to minister to others. It's usually, whether it's a, with your family or a small group, or it could be online, It's usually these places where you've gone to God in the midst of pain and seen God at work that you'll have this passion to help other people walk through their their deepest hurt, their biggest challenge. So I wanna invite each one of us to begin to even ask God what it would look like for this morning idea, this deep ache. I know, hard to read this, but you know, this is... This, it's hard to talk about this, but this is right here. This is, Jesus embodied this, right? Like, we don't even have, we don't have Jesus, we don't have the Gospels telling us about Jesus laughing. I know we have it in movies and The Chosen and all that, and I'm okay with that, and I think Jesus did laugh. But we've got specific moments where he mourned. He wept over Jerusalem, wept over Lazarus, wept in the garden. I think we do well to say, okay, we're followers of Jesus, not fake pretend, just whatever. No, really, Jesus, what would it look like? Man, I'm a, I'm not, that's not my personality. No, no, not my personality. Well, That's not my, my family history, my family of origin. No, 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 we're not talking to family of origin. We're talking about you. First identity is I'm a disciple. So this is happy, fortunate, lucky, blessed are those who mourn. They get divine help. They get divine comfort. So we have access to something that the whole world is desperate for. We just go about getting it from God. Will you bow your heads with me? Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we come before you today. We ask in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would help us to live as blessed, happy Disciples. We just confess, we, God, I live so time starved and I live where it's so easy to make my whole life about me. I ask that you would help us to hear your word and apply it to our lives. I pray that you help us to take what we hear in Jesus. look at ways that we can live this out. So God, I today, I lift up every person that's walking through the most challenging circumstance. and I pray, would you comfort them? Would you be close to the brokenhearted? We all come before you and we're so far. We see so many things in our lives that don't look like you. We asked that out of you being our first love, that song we always sing, You're Still My First Love, that we would just come before you and mourn that gap, be transformed into your image. Would you just take a moment and would you just bring one thing? Just, just be honest and real. Just say, God, here's a circumstance. So just bring, bring that circumstance to Him. The hardest thing in your life, the hardest circumstance that you're facing. Good. Now take that thing in your life that you know doesn't look like Jesus. That hate for, towards that person. That greed that can never get enough. That lust that consumes your thoughts. That pride that constantly talks about yourself. Whatever it is, let me just say, God, let me enter into Real repentance, just change your heart, change your mind. That place of Jesus laying out what it looks like to be a disciple and following humility and pouring spirit is this morning where I allow the ache to enter my soul. I allow that ache to actually be a part of my life instead of running from it, pretending like it's not real. Oh God, we want to long for you. We want to long to be like you. Take hearts of stone today and make them hearts of flesh. Take statues, turn them into vibrant soft tears in the eyes. Oh, to be like thee. Oh, to know you. Oh, to give you my whole life. And God, turn us into a people that pray your kingdom come, your will be done. We would look at the way that the world is, that we would be people, Lord God, that care instead of just retreating, that we would engage. We'd be your hands and your feet. We'd stand in the gap in prayer pray for strength for my friends. These ideas are so easy to talk about. They're so hard to live on a Thursday afternoon, on a Friday night. Bless them. Let us be a people with supernatural happiness, supernatural comfort, fortunate because of Jesus. you're in the room and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I repent. I don't want to be the leader. I don't want to be my own savior. You save me. You lead me. You rescue me. You help me. I give you my life. Make me a new person. Totally transform me. I just confess I'm tired of leading myself, living for myself, living for pleasure. No, I want to live for you. I want to be with you forever in eternity. Help me to be a disciple. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen stand together. And I want to invite the prayer team to come on forward, the ushers to come forward. And we're going to sing one last worship song as we give together today. And uh, I want to just thank you and add to what Rachel said. I'm just so grateful for your generosity and such a privilege and a joy to be able to help. Uh, just this last week, I was able to just tell them this church in Florida that we would love to help them. And there's a church down there that's close friends of Renata and I, and they're with They've been without water and electricity and so we were able to help two ways. One, able to give to their church, which is navigating so much and their, ch- their church is giving so much to their community and also able to give through Convoy of Hope to help the disaster relief. And so it's just so beautiful, just so grateful uh, for each one of you. Thank you for the ways that you give. Father, we love you today and we just give cheerfully and gladly. We love you. God, help us to be a community of faith that looks like you. We we'll honor you today. We worship you, we give cheerfully in Jesus' name.